Hello, you mindful mamas, and welcome back to Enlightenedhood. I'm your host, Lena Lemos, and today I am chatting with intuitive advisor and love karma expert, Layla Laura. You guys are in for a fascinating discussion. We are discussing karma healing, past lives, the journey of the soul, and it's just so fascinating when you think about when you come into this lifetime and everything you may have experienced that in a past lifetime that you may have brought with you without even knowing it or being conscious of it. And when people like Layla are able to unwind it and truly just heal that energy and help you move into your best and highest self. It's just so fascinating. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. And here's Layla. So Layla, you first became pregnant when you were 19 years old. Yeah. Can you tell me about what it was like to be a teenager that was expecting their first child? Yeah, it was so wild because I mean, I was extremely disembodied. So I was born psychic. So the way I dealt with that when I was younger and being just highly sensitive also, um, you know, uh, was, you know, I drank a lot when I was younger. And so when I was pregnant, when I got pregnant, it was with this guy, who, you know, like I dated cause they were much older than me. And it was, it was not exactly a joyful time. It was a very confusing time. Um, and it's so, it's so amazing because now it's like, I am so happy and feel so blessed to be pregnant. But at the time it was like, I don't think it was real. It was like this fantasy reality. Hmm. And, um, it was really, it was scary. It was really scary. I ended up marrying the guy and, you know, and my intuition, even with trying to douse it and numb it out with things was always pretty high. So for instance, I had actually gone to get an abortion and, um, and when I was there, I just remember all of a sudden getting, you know, this being is supposed to come into the world and you're, you're going to carry this child. And so I couldn't, I couldn't go through with it. And so, you know, that now son of mine is, you know, has always been a difficult relationship and I love him. He's a blessing. He's such a light in the world. Um, but it's different because, you know, I wasn't an adult myself and I was, you know, selfish and a child and scared and not even knowing how to you know, provide for myself yet and fully take care of myself. And, um, and so I remember honestly resenting my son, um, a lot when I was younger and, and I had health stuff that nobody knew about and blah, 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 and all this stuff, um, that I'm sure added into that. But I just remember, you know, I had him and it was a, a all natural birth. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And when he came into the world, it was, he was so beautiful and such a light. And part of me was so excited and happy to have him. And I'm sure for some women, they're probably like, oh, this is like postpartum depression. And it was partially postpartum depression, but it, it lasted for a very long time, actually, until I 
worked on it karmically. Um, mm. The relationship and the karmas that were tied into how I was, how I felt about the son, because honestly, he felt like a burden. When did you realize that you really had to start working on it? Um, well, so, you know, I think any type of evolution is never A to B, uh, which is why I mostly work with women <laughs> clients versus <laughs> male clients, because male males are like, I need this A to B path. And, you know, it's, it's winding and it's an evolution. So, you know, I remember when, when my son was around five years old, so I'd lived with my parents with my son. I, you know, divorced my, I got out of the marriage because that wasn't a healthy relationship for me. And, you know, it was me living with my parents, with my son. And I just remember one day waking up and being like, okay, I definitely need to stop drinking and I need to stop being, you know, in order for me to really do that and for me to really start being an adult and a mom, like I need to not live with my family because my parents were very enabling and, mm-hmm. and I needed, and I didn't have the capacity. I knew, you know, even though, you know, I had, I had breastfed my son for 11 months and I had done all of the right things. And, you know, I was there and I brought him to preschool and whatever other things, you know, mm-hmm. the, the um, little music classes and all of that. I just knew that I wasn't able to really give him what he needed, even though I'm sure on a certain level for him. And when I look back at it, it's still like a point of guilt and remorse of, oh, I could have done it better. He just needed you to be present with him. But there's, you know, like sacrificial mother is a really common um, karma for women and, you know, basically putting your child before yourself. And for me to become who I am today, I needed to walk away. And so I did. And, you know, I still saw him, obviously my parents took care of him. He still lives with my parents because at this point, you know, it's like, bleep you mom. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and, um, but it was really, it was really just, you know, it was quite a process. And so, you know, I sobered up and, you know, back then I did the whole 12 step thing and I'm not a 12 step person now. I don't feel that that's something you're supposed to do your entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, people, it becomes their entire lifestyle and, um, which is a karma also, you know, and, uh, and, you know, and so by stepping away from that gave me time to kind of get into me, but it was years and years of, you know, because I stopped, um, drinking and stepped away from my family. And all of a sudden these flashbacks from my childhood came of being, you know, abused, um, when I was really little, uh, sexually. And, 
you know, so it's, it's been a really winding road and I'm really glad, especially when I had those flashbacks coming, you know, like my son was with my family because they were really tough. They were, you know, like, um, you know, feeling physical sensations and they were, they were, you know, burned in my head and, um, I had to do a lot to be able to undo that. Um, so yeah. Wow. So once you started, you stopped drinking, you realized that you really need to just step into your truth. What happened once you started to realize and really accept all these gifts that you had? Yeah. So I'd say it actually took five or six years. So I've done, I've studied energy work since I was 17 years old and I'm about to be 35. So for a long time and I've received a lot of energy work and it's been great, but there's nothing that for me worked as well as, um, this car, this specific type of karma work that I found. And so, um, I was kind of floundering. I wasn't floundering. I mean, I was dealing with realizing, you know, I had chronic Lyme disease that was being misdiagnosed as a bunch of other stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by it's like a windy process is like, you know, there's not even a straight answer because it wasn't like step by step. It was right. like five years of unwinding a lot of um, unhealthy patterns and, and really dropping deeper and deeper into me, um, which, you know, it's great. I love doing it with people and I can bring them there really quickly, but when you're doing it yourself, it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, when I finally found this, this guy who did this karma healing work, um, it was like, it was just like night and day. and. I, you know, I just had one session and I could feel a real shift. And then I had, you know, I kept going back and had more sessions and, and then I started studying the work and mm -hmm. it was just like literally within the first class, you know, I, of course, <laughs> being me entered the class late <laughs> and um, late in the, it had already started a couple months earlier and it was the first class ever. And you know, it was combined with the advanced students and he was, he was asking, okay, so this person's going to tell us about this situation in their life. And I want you guys to tell, tell me what the karma is. And, you know, so this guy's describing how his son, uh, and this is how the karma work works. It's like, you just talk about your day to day and all of a sudden it's like these, it's like a title comes up and then mm. you're able to you know, I'm able to move it out of someone's system. So this guy's talking about his son and how, um, you know, his son, he'll do something uh, that upsets the guy and he gets so upset and he cannot like forgive his son unless he like really, like really, to an extreme apologizes. Like if he just says he's sorry, it's not enough. He's still mad. Like he needs mm -hmm. like a lot 
And so I'm sitting there and the whole class is sitting there. And all of a sudden, like within 30 seconds, I just hear it's like someone's whispering in my ear. Um, and it comes through as a thought, but it feels like someone's whispering in my ear. All of a sudden mm-hmm. I hear um, forgiveness is compartmentalized with penance. And so basically this guy in another life was a priest. And so in order for him to be able to forgive someone, uh, he, he needs someone to like really give penance for him to Mm. let go and forgive. And it was, it was amazing. This is the first class ever. And like, (laughs) I remember this woman coming up to me and she's like, how did you know that? (laughs) You know? And, and everybody was just like staring at me like this chick just walks into class and she's like, (laughs) and it was you know, I found myself, I came home to myself in being able to channel my knowing and my understanding and all these gifts. And it made sense because, you know, when I was working with another mentor later on, they're like, oh no, you were, so originally the type of work I do was given to six people. And this is like, thousands of years ago. So there were six beings it was given to. And the intention was that the work would help connect people more deeply with the divine within them. Mm. And, uh, so, and so it made perfect sense of why for me, it's literally like, um, a language that's more familiar to me than, speaking English as we are now. Right. So you were one of those six. Yes. Ah, interesting. And so do you, are all of the, those six w- um, present now within this lifetime? I don't think so. I'm only, I can only feel into three other people and I actually don't know any of them in real life. So one of the controversial things for me when I was studying under this person is that they um they found it somehow but they didn't weren't using the work um in the way it was intended mm. um and they didn't have the and i don't even think they realized this on a conscious level and you know that's how we as humans were really complicated and so on a conscious level um on an unconscious level, they're misusing the work. And so it was, I kind of always had this tumultuous relationship with this person who on one hand, I was extremely grateful for because it was like, Oh my gosh, you helped me come home to me. Mm-hmm. And, and literally the work has saved my life um, and brought me to life because I didn't feel like I was really living before. Um, and, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you're misusing the work and the way you're using it, um, can actually hurt people. And so it was a really tough position to be in. Yeah. So tell me more about karma. Does everyone have, when we come into the next lifetime, do we all have that label like that man did in the thing and the, um, the words that you heard in your ear at the class? Does everyone have karma? Well, do we all have a specific label? Are there specific, um, like you said, forgiveness doesn't come without penance. Do we all have 
almost categories of karma? Yeah. So for instance, everyone has karma, unless you're like a complete new soul, which do exist. Um, I rarely meet them because I, you know, old souls are attracted to me, Mm -hmm. but, um, so anyone who's reincarnated, which is most of us at this time in this earth, um, have karmas. And so, and it's almost like a storyline, right? So if you think Mm -hmm. about that guy, he was a priest. And so therefore he has a big storyline that unwinds with that. So, you know, forgiveness is compartmentalized with penance. Priests Mm -hmm. have um, things around sex and, um, you know, like, so end up in marriages where they're often not totally happy, um, mm-hmm. and especially not success- sexually fulfilled, mm-hmm. um, or women, it's more like, so for instance, me with my son, um, was, you know, death and childbirth. So a lot of women have death and childbirth karma, uh, where they died in another life during childbirth. And that, that's a big one. It's extremely common and it really affects so many things. So, you know, where, you know, something good, some, something good, is associated with something bad. So when something good happens to the person, something bad tends to happen to them. Hmm. Um, Hemorrhaging could be a side aspect. And it just goes on and on. Like, it's a big unweaving process. Um, But it's really amazing because you can unweave it. And the way that people's lives change is incredible. It's because it's really subtle. But for instance, you know, I've been doing this work for four years and there are people, some of my first clients, and it's just like looking at them now versus then. And even people who, for instance, just had like, you know, one session, two, three sessions, the difference is really insane four years later. And these are the types of things, whether it's family relationships or um, trauma or other things, you know, where they're significantly different and they wouldn't change otherwise. So the interesting thing about karma is that it's very difficult. So people usually do things to kind of control their karma, like how they're perceived by the world so that other people aren't aware of it. Like a lot of people with anxiety, because, you know, if you've had a violent death in another life, or you were killed in war would be for men killed in war is very common. Uh, for women would be like witnesser of death, violent death. Um, so all of these, you know, often correlate to anxiety in this life. Hmm. And it's pretty amazing as you take those out, how it unweaves this, physical slash psychological thing that can really have such a grip on people. And, um, and it just depends on how strong the karma is depends on like, if it's something that you can undo like in one session, or if it's something that like takes a while to unwind going back and back to the story and getting more and more angles. Wow. 
Yeah. So when when you come into contact with someone for the first time, are you almost immediately able to tell or just get some kind of inkling of what their karma is? Um, in a session or when I'm out and about? Either. So when I'm out and about, I do my best to kind of like close down my system. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't totally turn it off. It's kind of like I'm just built a certain way. Right. Um, but most of the time I try and turn it off when I'm out and about. Um, but when I'm in session, absolutely. Like, you know, someone has a session with me and I immediately hear. So when I'm in session with people, I'm, I can connect with their highest self. And so I'm having a conversation with them. I'm having a conversation with their highest self. Sometimes their guides like to butt in or their angels and, um, <laughs> but I, I try and just listen to the highest self cause it's kind of the best way to work with someone. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, during that process, there's so much information. And also by looking at their energy field, all of a sudden everything pops up mm. that is ready to be released. And so I'll just hear a tons of things and it depends on the person so you know I always know someone who's been in therapy for a long time or has done a lot of self-work because you know by the end of their first session I usually have like pages of karmas Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and then someone who like kind of works on themselves but only scratches the surface you know I'll have like half a page to a page um and so it's just kind of interesting to see people and where they're at and what they've worked on so are you mostly hearing this um so what I describe sometimes I visually see um but most of the time it's I hear and um hear as in you know it feels like hearing though it comes Mm -hmm. through a lot right and I'm also able to do like when I close my eyes I can get a complete visual of someone's energy field and see, you know, whether it's karmas or whether it's damage to their energy field, our energy field's really sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so we're picking up stuff all the time. I actually have a tribe membership um, where it's just, you know, every single month we do a rejuvenation session so that we can clear out all the stuff, you know, these highly sensitive people are picking up. Mm-hmm. And just kind of send it back and so that they're able to operate from their selves the majority of the time. Um, and, you know, they, it's just the ability to kind of see, it just depends. It's, but by closing my eyes, it's like all of a sudden I'm able to just see from my third eye and then Mm. just be able to see whether it's their aura or if it's past lives or whatever else needs to be seen. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just so fascinating to me. And I'm definitely, I'm a highly sensitive person, borderline empath. So I totally get the sensitive energy field and how (laughs) delicate it is. (laughs) Do you find that a lot of, um, empaths gravitate towards you for yeah yeah, for healing absolutely yeah a lot of empaths a lot of um people who are intuitive um who are really sensitive you know most of my clients uh 
have, you know, done therapy, have done coaching, have done lots of things. You know, I'm kind of like the big guns. (laughs) (laughs) They've done, you know, especially when it comes to love, they've done matchmakers, they've done everything. And then they're like, okay, please help me. (laughs) And what has the reception been like for people who, because I feel like this is a very niche energy work expertise. So once they come to you and they're at the end of the rope and then you kind of open their, reopen their world to all these possibilities, what has the reception been like from them? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I've, they're just so elated. It's amazing. You know, and I love how you kind of say reopen their hope because that's really one of the biggest things, you know, is that especially my long-term clients, it's when they come in, um, you know, a handful of them can be, you know, suicidal. And a lot of the times they don't talk to anybody about it and they could be in therapy for years and the therapist has no clue. I'm just able to see it in their system. Um, you know, and so when they come more and more back into themselves, it's just amazing. And so it's not even just, I mean, they're, they're happier, they're more fulfilled. They all of a sudden feel connected to the people they have around them, but they, it's also the factor that everyone around them. So soul ovations, like the most intensive work I do mm-hmm. and pretty much every single soul ovation client I've ever worked with, um, at some point will say, you know, everybody's saying I'm like completely different. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of how it goes. And the other way will be also sometimes they'll be like, you know, I'm so different. My family is so different because the thing I love about this work is that as individuals work on their own energy, that shift creates a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And so the people around them, their energy starts shifting also. Yeah. It's it's just truly remarkable, especially I think we're starting to see it now with all these women who are really connecting to themselves and committing to mindfulness and self-development and energy work. And it's really starting to have such a powerful, like you said, ripple effect. Oh, absolutely. A woman who is actually using mindfulness and who actually, you know, wakes up the 15 minutes early to meditate um, to like wash her face, to do mm-hmm. those simple things for her, the mm-hmm. whole family makes such a difference. Or mm-hmm. I was talking to one of my girlfriends the other day and she was saying, um, you know, when I eat healthier, my entire family eats healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was, wasn't the Dalai Lama who said that the world is going to be saved by the Western woman. I believe so. I'm not great at quoting people. Yeah. <laughs> But it's just all these women, all of us out here who are (laughs) showing up and raising the vibrations of the world. Yes, absolutely. So how has your work and your energy work and you're diving into all this and now you're in your second pregnancy, how has this one been different? Oh my gosh. I mean, the first trimester was tough because I was just so tired all the time, but I'm in my second trimester and it it's amazing. It's, you know, I'm, I feel first of all, so connected to 
the body of me. The soul doesn't really come into the body. It's kind of like, it's just tethered mm-hmm. feel like they're born. Um, so, but I just feel really connected to this being that is about to come in and I'm just so happy. I mean, first of all, I'm in an amazing marriage and I absolutely adore my husband. And, you know, for instance, my first pregnancy, I hated the person I was with. I literally <laughs> threw a table at them once, like oh a big table, because I have so much hormones going through me. And, you know, this time I'm like, I'm so like, I'm like extra in love with my husband. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just like, you're so amazing. <laughs> amazing. So he deserves it. But, um, you know, I'm just so elated about the baby. But it's also different because my first pregnancy, I was very like outward about being pregnant and, you know, had a big baby shower, things like that. I'm not, I don't even think we're going to have a baby shower because um, I just feel like, and it's not that I'm not excited about celebrating this being coming into the world, but there's something about it that feels so special and so sacred Mm -hmm. that it feels like it wants to be really held and really given the space it needs. And, um, you know, so there's that there, but I mean, I'm just so happy, so elated and yeah, I just can't stop glowing. People are like, you're so radiant. You're just glowing. I'm like, I'm so happy. (laughs) I love that. So you said that the soul doesn't come into play until birth. Yeah. So the the soul of a being usually doesn't come in until like right after birth or during birth Mm. and on occasions they don't come in at all so actually a client of mine um they their daughter uh after she was born it was like a month or two after and the she was just miserable she was like miserable all the time she's crying all the time all this other stuff so I did a session with her daughter this you know Mm -hmm. month two month old and she hadn't fully come into her physical body Ah. um and so we had to help her kind of come into our physical body um and really connect in this is where you are this is where you're going to be for a while and you know help her connect in with her purpose and everything else and you know after that she really calmed down wow yeah that's fascinating I didn't even know that that could happen (laughs) yeah it's actually it's it's definitely not uncommon huh Hmm. the wheels are turning now is thinking about you know so then uh when we're pregnant then our child soul is still just waiting yeah but there's like a tether so Mm. it's like you know so when we conceive um there's you know there's usually a soul that's lingering around right that's you know, how we're able to conceive. I mean, aside from, you know, the egg and the sperm, et cetera, but, (laughs) but, you know, so there's a soul around. And then once we conceive and that connection happens between the egg and the sperm, there's like a tether. So it's like, it's like, it's like a rope was thrown out. Mm. Right. And so the tether is there. 
but the soul doesn't actually come in until the individual gives birth. Hmm. And then do you know how long before there's even conception that the soul knows that that's, that lifetime is their purpose? Um, I think it varies. That's what I'm getting when you're asking that question. So it varies, but usually, you know, um, it's a choice, mm-hmm. you know, and then it kind of lingers around for a little while. So it could be lingering around for like a few months or something, not mm-hmm. usually too long because, you know, they can say, oh, these are good parents. And then the parents can have their own process. Like a lot of people who say they're wanting to have children, parts of them don't want to have children. So those are the type of people I work with, with mm-hmm. like helping them really connect to their desire and rearrange their energetics so they're actually open to conceiving. Mm. One question I thought of earlier when you were talking, do you often find that if you are female in one life that it will continue throughout your lifetimes or do we tend to biologically shift throughout our lifetimes? I think that's that's a great question. So usually we tend to stick to gender. However, curiosity is definitely... Um, something that's normal and I remember there was this one woman who I was talking to once and I was like wow you have the most balanced masculine and feminine I've ever seen and I think they just like literally alternated lifetimes being man and being woman Um, so it really just depends and especially now in this time where people are really um, allowing themselves to be whatever sexuality whatever uh, representation they want to be of, you know, the feminine, the masculine, uh, both. And, you know, I think part of that has to do with people who have reincarnated a lot of times. So for instance, um, a person who wakes up in a female body, but feels very strongly that they are a man and feels more themselves, in men's clothing and wishes they had a penis and all these other things. Right. Mm -hmm. It it usually has to do with the factor that they've had so many lifetimes as a man. And now it's like, they can't relate to the body they're in. Mm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. I had a feeling that that was the answer. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a very, you know, it's very, difficult. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I guess I could imagine being a man. I know I've had at least like one, if not two lifetimes being a man, but majority I've been a woman. Mm. And, um, and I'm really grateful to be a woman. So when you come into contact with someone else, and this is a second part to the question I asked you before, are you able to tell whether or not they're an old soul? Yeah. So, I mean, the amount of I mean, there's a lot of different ways. So for instance, the way that, so I'm really gifted and I don't mean that in a, um, sometimes it doesn't always feel like a gift because the amount of information I have access to is pretty unlimited. Wow. And 
So, but the way I navigate that is I, it's like I focus. So Mm -hmm. I just focus my energy. Like most of my sessions, I focus on the karmas. And so when I'm working with people, I focus on the karmas. And, you know, if I've worked with someone for a long time, then I'll go outside of that if there's Mm -hmm. something that's pertinent. But most of the time, because otherwise it's too much information at once. Um, So you can definitely feel if I'm focusing on the karmas and they have like tons of things and like, so all karmas are layered and kind of web-like. And if in a first session, so I use more of my logic for the answer to your question, which is like if in a first session I'm seeing like only first level aspects of karmas and there's a lot of them, Mm -hmm. then that tells me it's an old soul. Mm. Whereas if it's a first session and I'm seeing, okay, this is a karma they have these main karmas and they're already unweaving like the action, the next levels of them, Mm. the younger soul. Mm -hmm. But most people who I work with have had a minimum of five lifetimes, if not like many, many more. Like I've worked with people who have had like hundreds of lifetimes. Wow. And, uh, yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's a long time. Yeah. And it's a lot of, you know, and the thing is, you know, we talk about karma a lot, but there's so many gifts that also come with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's, so it's lucky to be an old soul, but it's also, it's tough because the more karma you have, sometimes the harder it is to really allow your gifts to shine. And, um, and be, you know, functional and, make use of them because if you have too much karma like I had so much you know quote-unquote bad karma that I had a hard time functioning until I got like a huge load of karma taken off me and then all of a sudden it was like Mm. would you say that during each lifetime we're acquiring new gifts yes well it depends on if someone's focusing on so let's say someone's a jeweler right and Mm -hmm. in every single lifetime they just focus on being a jeweler then they'd get better and better at that but they may not be acquiring new gifts whereas some people are really curious and some souls more so I should say the souls are extremely curious and so each lifetime they'll be doing new and different things Mm -hmm. and so that individual would acquire many, many gifts. Wow. Yeah. It's fascinating. There's so many facets to our souls that are just mind blowing, (laughs) mind blowing. Well, this has been such an enlightening conversation and I need to dive more into the depths of my soul now, (laughs) 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 but I love to end this podcast for words of encouragement for anyone out there who maybe they need that extra push or some words of enlightenment. So what are your words to end on? Never give up, you know, never give up on your dreams and follow your dreams. Especially, you know, since this is a 
a lot towards moms, you know, just because you have children doesn't mean that your dreams don't matter. And it's so important to follow them. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Hood, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why. If you would like to be part of our community, find us on Instagram at Enlightened Hood and subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday.